when we come to know Jesus Christ, we come just as we are. But as time goes on, we forget that we can still do that. Sometimes we feel, boy, I, you know, I, I've, I've failed or I never come to church a long time, so I, I don't know if I can come back. Or, and, and then after a while, we forget that we can still come just as we are. That's how wonderful the love of Jesus Christ is. Today, as we conclude this series on the habit, we've been learning about habits that we have. And hasn't it been fun that we're learning about each other's habits or working on our own? And we catch ourselves. And so you can take out your uh, notes from your bulletin. It'll help you to follow along. I want to give you a, just a snapshot picture of what's happening next week. We kick off a brand new series called Preparing for the Unknown. Have you ever been blindsided or went through a recent tragedy? Or maybe you weren't ready to hear the words that someone said to you and it just left you empty. Or maybe you lost your job and you're wondering, what do I do? Well, this next series is going to help us to prepare for the unknown. When things happen and the unknown takes place, we're blindsided. How do we respond to that? How do we prepare for that? And God is going to show us how we can do that. But today as we conclude this series and we talk about these habits that help us to have a healthy soul, I do want to say thank you to those who helped with this set back here because the, the reason why we do these sets is so that we can visually remember what we're learning about. And so I just want to say thank you to Kevin and Sean. Uh, they did an, a wonderful job in, in preparing this. Uh, Karen and Di and also Kathy uh, in helping this, uh, helping preparing for this. I know you guys worked very hard on doing this. Keola and Sasha and then, of course, Kat and Brandon. Uh, when they put this set together, I looked at it and I was amazed in fact, part of the reason why we do this too is because we want even visitors when they come here to get a better understanding that, okay, we want to present the gospel in such a way that people can understand. We all understand habits, but we also watch the movie The Hobbit. And if we watch that movie, we can understand what journeys we go through, how the battles are won and lost. And how good and evil is always going to be hitting each other. And, and we're always going to have in our world good versus evil. But I like that we got to do this. And it also builds relationship. We do things like this so that people can come to know each other. So that people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so that we can use our gifts for the Lord. God gave every single person a gift. And you belong somewhere in the kingdom of God. You belong somewhere in serving God. And you just got to find out, Lord, what is that? What is my gift that I can give to you? Because we all have a gift, and I'm just so thankful. Can we just thank those who worked on this and, and all those behind the scenes with graphics and all of that? See, everything we do is always attached to a soul. Everything we do, from our bulletins to our grounds and how we maintain the place, everything is connected to a soul. And I just wanted to remind you about that. As we learn about habits, we've been learning that every, everyone has habits. We have good habits and we have not so good habits. And a habit is defined as a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. And we want to learn how we can develop good habits. And as we talk about three habits for a healthy soul, we want to learn what specific habits can we develop so that we can have a healthy soul. We understand physical health. I mean, in our day and age, there are tons of diets, nutritional programs. We have DVD sets, programs on TV that says, if you want abs like this, all you have to do is this. And I'm wondering, wait, they just invented this thing. Where'd you get your abs from? You must have done something else. And then we go through different cleansings. We go through different fasts. And, and we do all of these things, which is for our physical body. Now, if we're working that hard on our physical body, how much harder should we be working with our spiritual body? Because our spirits will far outlast our bodies. Just think about it. When you get up in the morning, you don't just pop out of bed anymore. If you pop out of bed, something will pop out of you. When we were younger, we could just jump out of bed and go to work or, or go to school. No need brush teeth, no need brush hair, and you just go but as you get older, you learn some things. You learn how to slow down. You learn to be okay 
with your body getting older. You learn to be okay with slowing the pace. You, you should be a little bit more patient now. But sometimes it's hard because you're dealing with now your body cannot do what your brain says you can. And so you're trying to adjust to the different seasons of life. And that has to do with our physical body. Our spiritual body, though, sometimes gets muddied because we focus so much on our physical body. Our spiritual body gets muddied. And we, we, cannot, we, we cannot see what's happening on the inside because we're so determined to get the outside correct. Well, hopefully today we can learn a couple things on how we can develop these habits. Let's look at our notes in Hebrews 5.14. The Bible says, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And that word practice is actually the Greek word hexis. Well, it's, it's a habit. This word means a habit whether of the body or the mind. A habit that is developed whether of the body or the mind. A custom or a habit that is developed through custom practice or use. That over time when we continuously do the same thing over and over, we can develop a habit. But the Bible says solid food is for the mature. What does that mean? Well, these two words, solid and food, when they look at those two words and they put these two words together in the translation, the word solid is to set or place in a balance. It's like it's solid. You know when someone um, says to you, hey, how you doing? Solid. It's like local lingo, right? How you doing? Solid. Or they see something, oh, that's solid. That's like an 80s, 90s word. And that means it's good. It's doing very good. Or how, how's life? Oh, it's solid. I mean, it's well balanced. And that's actually a word that means to weigh or to balance. And they would use that word when they would weigh their finances, their monies. In, the, in those days, they would have coinage that would be of various weights that would determine the value of whatever it was, gold or silver. In today's world, we have gold that backs up our, our paper money. So if the gold value goes up or down and the gold value is less than, then the dollar changes. That's why when you go from country to country, the dollar exchanges in various amounts. And so it is when it comes to solid food for the mature, that there's a balance for nutrition for our soul. There needs to be a weight measurement for our soul. In other words, mature Christians practice living a balanced weight system that brings proper nourishment to their soul. If we're not focusing on our soul and only in the exterior, then something along the line is going to die. Something is going to happen. Our relationship, uh, the way we think, uh, our relationship with God, something will be broken. It could be the way we interact with each other. It could be the way we feel about ourselves. But we got to focus on even the soul that no one else can see. Otherwise, we just exercise, exercise, exercise the body, and then the soul decays. The other week, we did this thing called Fit Friday we do with our staff. And we went to uh, Arnesa Irinon, if you, if you know her. Uh, she does this thing called uh, uh, Kajikembo, and she has a dojo on Railroad Avenue. And so I said, hey, Arnesa, we're doing this thing called Fit Friday. We just want to do, like, mild exercises just to, you know, get the blood pumping and just to get, you know, physically uh, moving and, and, and kind of tie it into the soul. And she said, yeah, just come by. We'll just do some light workouts. Well, we got there, and you can, she said, you can either do uh, a light or you can do the extreme. Now, when someone says that, you're, you're saying, well, I ain't going to do the light. That's the pride in me. I'm not going to do the light. And so I was doing the extreme, and I handle. I did well. I was so proud of myself. I said, yes, I can do that. But come Saturday and then Sunday morning. Now, this was Friday we did this. So come Sunday morning. I don't know if you noticed last week, but I couldn't even come up the stairs. And so I, 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 I did not want to show my weakness and so when I came up the stairs, I, I, just, I just acted. Normally, I'll run up the stairs a little bit. 
But that time I was like, no way. I, my mind is saying, move. My legs was like, no, you cannot. And then I'm walking around, and I feel like I'm walking like this. <laughs> like I just did something. And so I, I, I'm walking like this, and, and I, I, I see people, and I, I want to approach them, but I can't get there. I'm like, how come I'm going so slow? What's happening? And my legs felt like it was just dead, and I couldn't move. Then I thought, wait a minute. If I work that hard on my physical body, and I feel like this, I wonder what happens if I work on my soul. Like, does, does our soul go through pain? And suffering. Does it go through heartache? Does it go through a time where it just feels heavy? And the Bible tells us that yes, our souls will go through heavy times. We will go through difficulties. Our soul will go through hurts and pains. So we want to look at three important habits that helps us with a healthy soul. How to develop a healthy soul. Here's the first thing. And these are basic fundamentals. The first thing is actually committing to a home church. That's the first thing. It's actually committing to a home church. Some time ago when Heidi and I were first attending this church, I think it was in the later 90s, we came to church and they had this prayer time. And it was right in this office back here. They were praying and I, I went in there and, and I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of praying and then... And so I, I felt a little uncomfortable. And so I, I sat in there. And the reason why I went in there is because Heidi and I just had a fight. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go in for prayer because Heidi needs fixing. That's what I felt. You know, it's Heidi's fault. So, you know, I'm going to pray that, you know, God does something to Heidi. And, you know, change her heart, Lord. Something's wrong with her. So I went in there. And the fight that Heidi and I had was over who is supposed to buy the shampoo? Big fight. Big fight. That's major stuff. Who's going to buy shampoo? Because we all know that women, you buy shampoo. It's like, you know, 80 bucks for your shampoo. It's like 99 cents for ours. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Men just use shampoo or we just use soap and the whole thing, just, we just use one thing. But women, you have shampoo, then you have conditioner, and you let the bugger soak in for a little while. Like, just let it go good because you have long hair, and you want it to be good, and you want it to be nice and whatever. But, man, we, we could care less sometimes. Once in a while, maybe you'll condition your hair, and that's fine. I came home, and I didn't have shampoo. So I said, oh, Heidi, I'll just use yours. She goes, you're not using mine. I said, what do you mean? Why can't I use yours? She goes, no, it's expensive. I says, wait, so what? I, I cannot use your shampoo because it's expensive, so you can give me the cheap one. She goes, yeah. Well, you don't even hair on your head. <laughs> so I said, well, so why didn't you just go to the store and buy one? That's, that's fighting words, right? Because we ran out. She goes, what? I said, why, did, why, did you, why didn't you buy a shampoo if you knew mine ran out? You should have bought shampoo. And, and then she said this. You could have. You could have went to the store and bought it. I said, what do you mean me? That's your job. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> Some of you not laughing because you're saying, well, I just said that the other day. <laughs> and so I said, that's your job. She goes, why is it my job? I said, because that's the girly stuff. That's what I said. You're supposed to go shopping. And then she said, really? I'm supposed to go shopping. I said, yeah, that's, that's what you do. Well, this is, you know, okay. And anyway, anyway, we just got married. So... We got into this fight back and forth. Who was supposed to get it? And I said, here's the deal, Heidi. You do 50% and I'll do 50%. Deal? And she said, what does that mean? I said, you do your part and I'll do my part. And she goes, okay, fine. So I come to this prayer. I sit down and they ask, what do you need prayer for? I said, well, you know, my wife. <laughs> you know, she get problems, you know. <laughs> well, what happened? Well, you know, so I tell them the story. And that, uh, well, we just got into a fight. And I didn't tell them any details. I just said, we just got into a fight. So I just, I just want to do better in our relationship and whatever. She so said, okay. So then they're praying. And then one of them says, well, God just showed me a vision that it's like you're climbing a pole, but it's slippery. And you, 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 you're trying to get to the top, but you can't. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of weird because I don't remember doing that. I, I grew up on the playground, and, but I don't remember anything like that. And 
but what they said was, you're trying to get somewhere, but you can't because you're trying to do it on your own. And then, as we're praying, one of the women that were surrounding this prayer uh, group, she said this. She said, I really feel like the Lord's saying that you need to do 100% in your marriage. I was like, wait, what? She goes, yeah, it's not 50-50. I'm like, I didn't even call you. I said, wait, how do you know that? She goes, well, how do I know what? I said, why would you say 50-50? She goes, well, I just felt the Lord saying that. And we just got into the fight. So, and we didn't have, you know, mobile phones or text messaging. So I was thinking, how in the world did they know? How, how would they know? But what I've learned is God knows. And God will often speak through people. He'll speak through his word. But if I wasn't committed to this as my home church, I would have never have gotten that. And I remember that day that it changed Heidi and my marriage. Heidi's mar uh, Heidi and I, mar our marriage, I just said, just say our, our marriage forever. It, it really gave me a picture of what my responsibility is. My responsibility isn't 50%. My responsibility as a, hun as a husband is 100%. And when I can do that with 100%, because the two are one, I'm doing 100% for our marriage. Even if Heidi may be at 50%, because I know some of us is like, bro, I do 100%. My wife, 20. 20%. I don't know what she do all day. I come home. Like, how come you're sitting down? What you do all day? Just watch the kids. Yeah, you try to watch all the kids. <laughs> I do. I watch them. And then I'm like, okay, I know I can handle this. So I tell the wife to do it. And we think if we do 80, 20, 50, 50, it's going to work. No, 100%. And when you're committed to a home church, people will encourage you. People will build you up. They'll pray for you. That's actually step two. We talked about the, uh, my steps. And they're actually at our, uh, our doors when you come in. There are these cards that there's these different steps. And that's step two. After you accept Jesus Christ, now you attend church weekly. You commit yourself to a home church. That helps in your growth with Jesus Christ. I remember this uh, one couple they came in and they're coming in for marriage counseling and so I said okay so what is going on and they said well, we're just not doing so well and I said when was your last date night they said our last date night I said wait when was your last date night they look at each other um how old we was and I said well what do you mean how old were you they said yeah it was like before we got married I said how long have you been married and I, I forget how long it was maybe 20 something years and I said wait so you tell me that you have not gone on, on a date night ever since you were married? And this is what the husband said. Why are I going to date her? Pow. I said, what do you mean, pow? <laughs> yeah, finish already. I got married. I said, well, there's the problem. What you did to fall in love, you no longer do, so you're now falling out of love. We are constantly falling out of love. So we got to constantly do what caused us to fall in love which is the date night. So here, here's what happens with us spiritually. We are, we are constantly falling out of love with Christ. We are constantly falling away from Christ, so we must do something to keep us falling forward towards Christ, which is attending church weekly. It's not a religious thing. It's like a date night for your marriage. It's like your date with Christ. You're keeping the relationship thriving because we constantly fall out of love. We constantly fall away from. And Jesus says, no, every week. In fact, Hebrews 10.25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, committing to a home church is like dating. You constantly fall forward towards Jesus Christ. A friend of mine came to church because he was going through some difficult times. And, and I understand that, you know, we, we, we come to Christ and, and he brings us to a place of healing and restoration. Oh, this, this happened to my friend and uh, he said, oh, I'm so thankful I can come to church and God is doing great things in my life. I'm receiving from him. I can understand. I can apply what we're going through. And, and it's easy. There's just three points that I can learn from and I just write it down and then I can learn it. And he said, so I'm applying this in my relationship. And he got better and better and better. 
And then I didn't see him for a little while, and so I, I, I kind of checked up on him, and, and he was busy doing some things, and I thought, okay. And then I saw him, and I said, hey, how are you doing? He says, ah, oh, I'm I doing okay. And what I found out was the reason why he wasn't coming to church, it was because things were okay. That things were fine. And so the mentality was, why do I need to go to church? Everything's fine. Everything's okay. See, we don't come to church because we're in pain or because things are okay or because uh, we just got to punch in our time with God and, or do the good deed for the day. We come to church because we're committed to Christ's body, the body of Christ. We're committed to each other, to encourage each other. Daily, the Bible says. But at the same time, God speaks to us when we're in this setting. We write notes so that we can know Christ better. We write notes so that we can apply his word in our lives. We put scriptures down because it's the word of God that is living and active. And so we commit ourselves to a home church. Now, why a home church? Well, I would just ask a simple question. How many of you live or lived at home at one time in your life? Just raise your hand. You live at home. Oh, you lived at home one time. Okay. Some don't live at home. They're in college. They have, you know, a dorm or, or some. Maybe they don't have a home or a house. And so they're on the streets. Or maybe some people, like me, I ran away from home. Or we're in a broken home. Or in a foster home. And you go from home to home. It's different when you're not in a home. Have you ever gone camping or maybe on a trip somewhere, and you've been gone from your home for a long time, and you come home, one of the most wonderful things is when you lie down on your own bed. You lie down, it's like, ah, oh, that's what I'm talking about. It's different when it's your home. And when you're in your home, you work things out. See, when you're committed to a home church, when you hit a difficult time, you don't run away from home. You work things out. When, when you're uncommitted, just like in a marriage or a family, it stops all growth. And even in a church setting, when you're committed to a home church, you grow. Because if you hit a wall and you're saying, oh boy, I'm out of here, you know, I cannot deal with this, then you're going to hit that wall again and again and again and again until you deal with it. Committed to a home church says, I got to work this out. I got to pray. I got I to gotta seek counsel. What normally can happen is you run away from home and then you go to another home. And then you hit that same wall because it's in you, not in your home. It's in you. The problems that we go through in church says more about us than the actual church, than the actual building. See, when we leave here, this building, and it's empty, there are absolutely no problems happening. None whatsoever. It's a peaceful place. You come here by yourself, you experience no problems. You can sit here and just, ah, oh, this is so peaceful. Yeah, life would be very easy if it weren't for people. And you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, I get plenty of problems, people. People get plenty of problems. Maybe God is trying to do something in us. But if we're committed to a home church, then we can work these things through. I've seen many of you, you've been committed to this church. I've seen you go through ups and downs. You've, you've hit walls. You've had, had financial setbacks. You've had, had relational setbacks. You've, you've hit walls time and time again, yet you stuck it through. And I've seen you grow in your relationship with the Lord because you were committed to a home church. People knew you at your worst and still loved you towards your best. If you run away, you'll face that same problem again and again, and you'll never grow. Being committed to a home church is part of developing a habit for a healthy soul. Here's the second thing, and this is very important. It's stewarding my finances well. Stewarding my finances well. If you don't steward your finances well, then someone else will do that for you, and it may not be so well. Someone else may steward your finances. They may, they may do something in your life that, oh boy, they just, they just blindsided me on that one. 
Or maybe someone in the family says, well, I'm going to take care of the finances, and they may not steward it well. But when you steward your finances well, then you understand what finances are for. The Bible says it like this in Luke chapter 16, verse 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will, in, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? In other words, if I'm not handling my finances for worldly things, I will not be able to do so for kingdom things. One of the most difficult things I had to deal with when I first came to church was giving. I had the hardest time in the beginning. I was thinking, see, I knew they was going to ask for money. I knew it. I saw the guy on TV. That's all they asked for. And so I had a very difficult time when it came to giving. And that was in the beginning. I just spoke to a friend who said, boy, I, you know, I have a, a friend that I invited to church, but he said, no, I don't like to go to church because all they do is ask about giving. They always ask about finances. They always want money from you. So I said, well, then can you just tell your friend, don't give? Just tell him don't give. He said, well, I didn't even think about that. I said, yeah, you don't have to give. When you come to church, you don't have to give. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need it. God created everything without spending a dollar. He doesn't need our money. Well, then what does he want? What does he want? He wants our heart. Did you know that our finances are the number one thing that grips our heart? Until, until someone passes away. Then at that point, finances don't matter. It doesn't. It wakes you up. You say, boy, it, the finances didn't even matter. Or that person, they built all of this and then they passed away. No one cares about their home. No one cares about their, their car. Not in a way that they don't care, but they're not focused on the home. They're focused on the person. They miss the person. See, it always comes back to people. The reason why we give to God not because he needs it. It's because we need it. We forget that it's always about people. That the love of money is the root of all evil. And God says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you've ever come here and you felt pressured to give, don't give. The Bible actually says, don't give under pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. So if you ever feel pressure, just don't give. It goes away. It just goes away until you come to the understanding. And I had to come to the understanding that I don't have to give. I get to give. I get to give back to God. He gave to me. I don't say that anywhere else. I don't go to the movies and say, they better not ask for my money. They better not ask me for money. I mean, I like watching a movie, but if they ask me for money, that's it. I ain't ever going back to the movies. I don't go to the that stand and say, can I have a popcorn mochi crunch and a, and a drink? And, and, but you better not ask me for money. You better not. I don't go to a restaurant and order food and say, you better not ask me for money when I pow. You better not ask me for money. And when the waiter is coming your way, it's like, you better not ask me. You better not put that bill on my table. We never say that. We don't go shopping and just grab clothes and, oh, this is perfect, grab shoes and start walking out and look at the cashier and go, you better not ask me for money. I just walk in out with this. I mean, what would happen if you did that? Ah, front page, Pastor Sheldon steals. <clears throat> and I can give the best argument. I can say, but why I got to give? And you're going to say, it's simple. Because you received something. You received something. When I understood how much I received from God, so easy to give. I have no problems with giving to God. Oh, it's still challenging. But that's only when I forget what he's given to me. And I, when I remember what he's done for me, I said, I have no problem. Someone came up to me a couple months ago and they said, you know, you talked about giving and, and doing a 10-10-80 plan and you said to test God. And so we did. And this is the first time we have leftover finances. I said, really? They said, yeah, we, we, we gave 10% to God, 
because that's our tithe to him. And then we saved 10%, and then we lived off of 80%. We paid our bills and everything, and at the end, we were like, how do we have extra? So they went back and tried to retrace. Okay, we gave to God this amount. We saved this amount, and now we're paying our bills. How can we have extra? And so they looked at their income. That didn't change. And so they're trying to figure it out. And so they thought, ah, coincidence. And then they did it the next pay period. Same thing. They had extra and more. They're like, how is this happening? So they got to save more. And then a few months later, once again, came up to me and says, I don't know what's happening, but I have a savings that I've never had, ever. And this is the most I've ever had saved in our marriage. This is the most we've ever saved. And we have no idea how it's happening because nothing changed. Our income didn't change. Our bills didn't change. Nothing changed. I said, there's one thing that changed. I said, you gave to God first. And I said, is it that simple? And I said, here's what Malachi 3.10 tells us. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Says that you bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food enough. So that when we come here to a place like this, we can feed people the word of God. That's why we give. We give so that God's word can be given. We give so that like we had this past week, Legacy, actually over 300 students and, and their leaders were here. Got to hear the word of God. Life-changing moments. Some of you went to youth camp when you were growing up. And you remember those times. We have a place where families can sit. We have a place where our children can learn about Jesus. And the reality is, it takes finances. It does. And I'm not saying this because I'm asking you to pay the bills. The Bible says you're blessed when you give God first. Test him. Test him on it. See what God does with it. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. If you're going through a financial difficulty, turn to God. Ask him for wisdom, how to steward well your finances. It could be your spending. It could be, it could be anything. But it could also be that you're not trusting him with your finances. It could be that simple. And I know it's difficult because of the attachment we have to our finances. But when you're able to release that, oh, it builds a healthy soul. It just does something to your soul. I've experienced that. Many of you experience that. You understand that. You give to God. You understand the purpose of giving. And it has nothing to do with the financial contribution to God. It has to do with a heart for God. Are you stewarding your finances well? And if you are, the Lord sees that and he blesses you for it. Here's the last thing. This is a habit that we can develop. It's reading the Bible and praying. It's a very important habit to build our soul. We read the Bible and we pray. Many of my major decisions for Heidi and I have come through prayer and reading the Word of God. And many of you have experienced that too. You've, you've read the Word of God and it, there was a major decision. And so it really hit your heart and it lined up with your prayer time. Psalm 1 verses 1 and 2 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. Think about it. That when you're planted by streams of living, living water, you're meditating on the word of God day and night. You're receiving counsel from the Lord. You're going to get the best counsel for life that builds a healthy soul. 
It's going to build your spirit. It's going to do something in you that nothing else can. You and I are receiving counsel all the time. Did you know that? You're always receiving counsel. Whether it's through the news or uh, reading the newspaper, you're receiving counsel. You could be among friends and maybe you're talking about things and, and they'll say, you know what you got to do? And they'll give you counsel. We get that. Or you're scrolling on Facebook and then someone will ask a question. What do you do when your teenager acts up? And then you'll put counsel. Lick them. Ground them. Uh, time out. And you have all these comments. We're always receiving counsel from somewhere. But the Bible says, why are you going to counsel from somewhere else? You come to me. I will give you the best counsel. He will give us the best counsel. Make it a habit to get into the word of God and pray. Benjamin Franklin said it like this. Work as if you were to live a hundred years and pray as if you're dying and you'll die tomorrow. It was Benjamin Franklin who when he stated that and made that quote, modeled it. He was a man of prayer. In our day, Billy Graham, he says this, to get nations back on their feet, we as people must first get down on our knees. See, in order for us to be a great person, in order for me to get back on my feet, I need to first get on my knees and pray. In order for my marriage to get back on its feet, I must first get on my knees and pray for my marriage. In order for my children to get back on their feet, I must first get on my knees and pray. In order for my finances to get back on its feet, I need to first get on my knees and pray. I need to get into the Word of God because it's the Word of God that fills our soul and teaches us from right and wrong and how to do things God's way. When you do things God's way, you receive God's blessing. It's simple. If you want Bible blessings, you've got to do it the Bible way. That's why we read Scripture. Let's end with this Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. The Bible says, Rejoice when? Always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now what the Bible is not saying is everything is joyful. The Bible is not saying when there's tragedy, be joyful because of the tragedy. No, it's saying just rejoice always. In everything, give thanks. In everything, not for everything. It's in everything, give thanks. These are the habits that we develop for a healthy soul. I commit to a home church. I read the Bible and pray. I steward my finances well. I say to God, I give to you first. You watch. When you develop this, these three habits, oh boy, it, it, it helps for a healthy soul. But I don't want to just tell you about it. I want to show you just a, even a small percentage of what committing to a home church looks like. It's going to be a little while. We, we have like a 10-minute uh, clip that we want to show you. It's what happened this past week at Legacy. And I want to let you know that you invested because of your giving in these 300 plus lives that are changed forever. And if you're a parent and your child was here, you understand that you can't put a price on your child's soul. For you parents who your, your maybe son or daughter was here serving, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing them to serve here. They cleaned up, they, they set up, they broke down. I mean, you would not have known that this place was filled with over 300 youth, except for the dead grass. That's about it, but that was their tents. But let's just take a look at this and see what the Lord did this past week. Aloha and welcome to Hilo International Airport. Now arriving, Hawaii District Foursquare Church. Please make your way Welcome to Legacy 2015, where over 300 high school students and their group leaders, shucks. Oh yeah, got him. All right. Welcome to Legacy 2015, where over 300 high school students and their group leaders experienced a life-changing moment with Jesus Christ. 
My job over this week is to challenge you to push on the boundaries of your faith. It's really to get you to ask the tougher questions that you don't really want to ask. It's to get you to dig deeper into the areas of life that maybe it's not comfortable, and that's a good thing. Before we started worshiping, I made bonds with other people, and I see the emotion they put when they sing, and like the feeling. Oh, that's like that's that's an eye opening for me. working on you and working on you and working on you and working on you because I love you as if the Holy Spirit would say to you the minute I put the hammer down is when I stop loving you and that's never gonna Do you have that room in your house like I have that room in my house? The closet or the spare bedroom that's full of all the stuff? When company comes over, they're not allowed to go in that bedroom because it's full of junk and stuff. Keep out. Cannot come in. You can go everywhere but here. We do that with God. Now, what's crazy is that we take these keep out signs and we say, God, you can't come in. How can we surrender to God if we're not letting him in? And how can we let him in if we don't love him? Tonight I'm going to challenge you to love God more by surrendering your life to him. Open our eyes to see the things that make your heart cry to be the church that you would desire thought that the analogy of having gravy all over instead of just a bento box kind of faith that you would just surrender your whole plate your whole plate of just gravy and just give it up to God and just trust God with all your all the parts of your life that maybe you don't even want to give up but you know that you eventually have to in order to have a full relationship with the Lord Yeah.
I want you to have a faith where it's God all over. It's God at home. It's God at school. It's God when you're with your friends. It's God when you're with your girlfriend or with your boyfriend. It's God when you're feeling tempted, that God is with you in the times when it's fun. God is with you in the times that it's hard. That God is with you not only when you need help, He's with you even when you're celebrating life. That God is with you when you're taking a test. That God is with you when you're serving detention. That God is with you when you're feeling insecure because all your friends are out and you're stuck at home. I want you to have a faith that is gravy all over. Switch that. I want you to have a faith that is God all over. I want you to imagine your life like that bowl. And I want you to imagine the Holy Spirit of God being poured out upon you and infiltrating and getting deep inside and saturating every part of your life because that is what a real faith is like. After hearing his message, um, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna work harder to have a real faith with God. Like I'm not gonna just be nice to everybody. I'm gonna, you know, pray for everyone. You know, just be real. <laughs> Saw that I could feel. I just had this feeling. Like I knew the Holy Spirit was working something in me because I could feel just these vibes from them. I knew something was wrong, and so I was able to help one girl tonight and just really be able to help her um, release herself and just fully surrender herself to the Lord. And I just—it it was an amazing experience, and I know I will never forget this day, probably for the rest of my life. With you and I both know what happens if, even though there's all this fruit on the tangerine tree, if I, if I, I, I pick this green tangerine fruit up. Why is this sad? Because it's what? It's, it's what? It's waste. How many of you would say this is a waste for me to pick it like this? You know it's a bigger waste than this? You spend all this time coming to Legacy. You spend all this money fundraising. You spend your parents' money. You sleep in a tent that's uncomfortable. You make new friends and it's a little uncomfortable. And you experience Jesus in a way that you never had before and you're challenging your faith like you never had before. You know what's a waste? A waste is if you go home and you don't stay connected. That's a waste. I just felt like um, it's a safer place where you don't need to be afraid to show who you really are and to worship God, to do what you do. Because in the outside world, you're going to be judged for that. But here, there's no judgment for that because everybody here is here for the same reason, to get closer to God. Guys, you're going to fly out from here or you're going to drive home tomorrow. Whether you live down the block, whether you live in a different county, however long it takes you to get home, listen, please listen. I know you had a great weekend. I did too. I had so much fun with you guys. And it wasn't just going crazy and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't just that stuff. Really, it was the idea of challenging you to stay connected. Remember on the first night I said, my challenge for you this week is to go deeper, to challenge a feel-good faith? Some of you actually got there. Some of you actually got to a real faith. It would be a shame if you were to waste that. So you need to stay part of that. You. You may not even have been here. You were a part of that. Yeah, but I only gave God a little. I only served a little. No, you did a lot. See, in the kingdom of God, it's eternal. These youth's lives are changed forever. Even the adult leaders, even, though, even those that traveled from out of state and the adults that serve, life-changing you 
We're part of that because of your commitment to your home church. Because of your giving to God. Because of your prayers. You're able to change the world through introducing people to Jesus Christ. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. Would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes we forget why we do what we do. We do what we do, Lord, for you. And all the sacrifices that we think are sacrifices pale in comparison to your sacrifice for us. We would never know how much you gave up for us. But we know we can we can give up some things for you. In fact, we can give up everything for you, for what you've done for us. So today, Lord, we surrender it all. As we close this series, can you help us develop these three key habits so that our soul can be healthy? I pray your blessing over every single person here this morning, Lord. I thank you for their willingness to love you to be committed to a home church, even if it's not this church, Lord, if they're attending another church and they're visiting, Lord, I thank you for their commitment to that church because they are doing great things for you. Lord, I also pray for those that maybe are struggling right now financially, that you, Lord, you would show them that their future is secure in you. And that as we get into your word and pray, we would begin to see how good you are. We pray this in your precious name. And if you received that this morning, can you say amen?